you are now tuning in to the Mind Body Podcast, where you will go behind the scenes of how the mind of successful entrepreneurs, experts, and true leaders really works. Here you won't just listen, you will understand the guiding principles to create massive change in any area of your life. And of course, this podcast is hosted by the strong, lovely, with the sexy Jewish accent, Lindor Dayan. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Mind Body Podcast. I'm your host, Lindor Dayan, and in today's episode, I have Chris Halder. Chris is also a podcaster. Lately, I have uh, been uh, collaborating with many podcasters. His podcast is For the Love of Money. Yes, that's a very great name. For the Love of Money. For the Love of the Mind Body Podcast. No, I'm just kidding. So, anyway, when Chris and I talked, uh, we talked about how important it is to collaborate with others and not just compete. So, in this interview, you're going to learn a lot about entrepreneurship. And we actually got deep into relationship because he and his wife have an amazing relationship between each other of 13 years. And uh, we talked a little bit about uh, sharing the same values and uh, how important it is to always getting better and grow yourself because the more you grow yourself, the more you can grow any area of your life. So without further ado, let's begin the interview. So, first of all, I would like to uh, welcome you to the Mind Body Podcast, Chris. Thank you so much for taking the time being on my show. I don't take it for granted. Mm, totally my pleasure. You know what? I am always grateful to be on anybody's show because I know how much their show actually means to them, right? Because I've got a show and, and I know what it's like you want every episode to, to go serve and add value. So, I always see it as my privilege to be asked to be on a show no matter whose show it is. So, I'm excited, man. Yeah, that, that's awesome, and uh, I always uh, come from a place of giving. Because when you're too much competitive, you know, like you, at the end of the day, we all have the kind of the same message. We just sh- share it a little bit differently. But when you try to always compete with each other, I think there is nobody winning that way. So sharing and actually helping each other and uh, having the same message is uh, what makes us all grow more. Yeah, you know, I couldn't agree more. It's funny because yesterday somebody asked me, my thoughts on collaboration, like what level of importance is collaboration? And my answer to him was this, collaboration is actually probably the number one thing that will get you where you want to go as opposed to trying to compete or outdo somebody else. Like, listen, there's two ways you can get somewhere. You can, you can push people down and kind of, you know, like, like hold yourself up over them. But then what are they going to be doing? They're going to be trying to pull you down the whole time. Mm -hmm. Or you can, literally build a team of people where you're all exchanging excellence, right? And because your goal is to lift each other up, everybody gets to rise and you're going to rise along with them without anyone trying to pull you down. I'd rather do it the latter way because it's got a longer shelf life, so to speak. Yeah, this is so powerful because uh, I see many entrepreneurs, including myself, when you just start now, you isolate yourself. You think that if you grind, if you just walk your ass off alone, then eventually you will actually make something out of it. But no person that I ever interact with or interview ever done it by himself, right? Never. I hate the term self-made. And, and listen, I know when people say, I'm a self-made man or I'm self-made man, I know they don't mean any negativity by it. So I'm not like pointing fingers. I'm just putting everybody on alert that when you say self-made, that's like saying you had no family that helped you or you had no friends that helped you or not one single human gave you a break. 
or that if you believe in God or, or any kind of you know source like that, that they had no favor on you whatsoever, or that even even saying self-made means your customers didn't help you when they bought your product. Like the concept of self-made is the the most you know juvenile concept out there ever because it means you're not stopping to take inventory of every person that helped you any little step of the way. Yeah, including the people that we interact in on daily basis. Like even a homeless can give you a tip without you even noticing. It's all about actually uh, getting that awareness more, right? Yep. Oh, I love that. I love that you said even a homeless person could be a part of your success story. Because if you think about the butterfly effect, well, let's just make up a totally false scenario right now. Let's say I'm walking through Santa Monica where I live right now and I stop and there's a homeless person because there's a lot of homeless people here and they need a little bit of food so I give them you know a ten dollar bill to go get some food now people may say that was me doing them a favor but what if that interaction and the smile on their face gave me a little bit better pep in my step for the day like like put me on a little bit happier plane because I was able to help somebody out and I got a smile in return mm -hmm. and I saw some happiness in return and the next meeting I was walking towards I was vibing that much better and because I was vibing that much better because of that interaction, now I made a better deal in that meeting or something happened that might not have happened otherwise. It would be ignorant to not go back and acknowledge the interaction with the homeless person as helping you have a successful meeting because they elevated your state by being there to allow you to give to them, if that helps at all. Yeah, yeah, it's totally true. I had like a couple of days ago, I've been going to HEB to uh, do some groceries and there was a guy sitting there who was looking like a homeless, but he was not homeless. He was just uh, sitting there waiting from 5.30 a.m. to uh, a car that uh, needed to come pick him up from uh, the wall. And he was asking me a question, can I use your phone for a second? Because uh, nobody else uh, gave me the phone. They, they thought I'm uh, going to rob them or something. And then he told me like, you know, I knew that you will stop. I knew that you are going to give me the phone. So it kind of gave me that sense of, ah, I'm actually... Yeah, so, so uh, all the time we have interaction that if we have better awareness about like, Okay, wh how, how, what, what does this mean? So what does this mean? Then eventually we can shift our mind because we all start with a victim mindset. We all start with a, a mindset of, uh, oh, no, no, nobody loves me. And uh, we're all stuck in our head, right? Once we start to free ourselves from all these negative thoughts, we, we actually become better. Yeah, man, it's so true. It's funny that you said he knew that he told you he knew that you would stop and do it. that just means you're giving off this this really kind giving energy that you know everything in life is an equal energy exchange like we're we're all just made of energy and we're exchanging energy energy you, you can't deny that and so that just means that the energy that you're giving off right now because of the decisions that you're making in life is a really positive one that is attractive to other people and that's going to go so far in making you a success story because when people gravitate towards you when they know that you've got a warmer, more trustworthy energy, then you're going to get that many more opportunities in life, whether it's business opportunities, relationships, you know, just cool experiences, whatever. You're going to get that many more in life than somebody who's giving off a, a negative energy. So I want to start a little bit about your background. I want you to share a little bit of your journey, what you've learned uh, through the years and how you started out. So I am... Um, Midwest born and raised and uh, the cool thing about being born and raised in the Midwest is 
you learn good work ethic, you learn good family values, you, you learn good morals. And if you take those, you know, those core assets to the coasts where everything's going on, then that's a deadly combination, like in a good way. Like that, that is a recipe for success right there. And uh, what happened was my parents always wanted me to go to college and I just, I didn't want to go. I wasn't the school type. Like I knew already at that age, it wasn't for me, but I went for the wrong reason. I went because they wanted me to go. And after two and a half years there, I actually got kicked out of the college for such, you know, just partying, getting such bad grades. And I remember it was funny because they were devastated. They're like, oh God, your life is over. How are you going to be successful? How are you going to take care of a family? And me, I was the opposite. I was like, yes, score. I finally get to be out in the real world, start making money because I knew that I wanted to experiment with businesses and making money and all that stuff. I, just, I knew it was inside of me. And so I got a job at a car dealership. And uh, I got a job at a car dealership because I loved cars. So it made sense to me. Um, and that's where I learned sales. And after learning sales and becoming a top salesman after just a few months there, they promoted me to their finance department. And I learned a different type of sales from selling a physical object to selling something that's not tangible, but you're still selling warranties and financing and all that stuff. Then they promoted me to run that department. And that was where I learned leadership and management. And I feel like if you can learn those two traits, sales and leadership, you can write your ticket anywhere you want to go. And, and that's what I did. I actually took those skill sets. I talked my way into a job that I was not qualified for because I was a you know college dropout at a bank and I took that job as a lowly loan officer and just crushed it using those skill sets I learned at the dealership, sales and leadership. And quickly got my own branch, then got another bigger branch, then got a district, then got – and before you knew it, I was literally um, – I was literally over, you know, over a thousand people helping run sales and lending and all that stuff. And that was fun and that was an awesome experience until the recession hit. And when the recession hit, man, we got hit hard. And what made it so bad was I was young and I was ignorant and I was arrogant and I spent all of the money we were making, even though we were doing really well, I spent all that money and then some. I used to, to joke, I'm not spending this year's money, I'm spending next year's money, bragging about the great big raise I would get every single year because I'd get a promotion every single year. And you know, that's just a, a sign of immaturity at the time. And I wouldn't trade it for the world because what happened was when the recession hit, we were stripped of everything. You know, we lost the big home that we had just built, all of our cars, all my investment properties, everything because we we're living beyond our means. And we had to start over from below zero in a tiny apartment. You know, Lori and I did, my wife. And what was really cool about that is I was stripped in that moment of my juvenile and, and false identity of being a good provider and you know how many people can you manage and what is your title I was stripped of all of those very shallow identities and I was forced to find my real identity I was forced to find what really I could offer the world and so you know it's funny because you hear it all the time that some of your best moments come from some of your worst moments and that was no different in my case during this time and that was when Lori and I got a chance to reinvent ourselves and decide how do we want to show up in the world and we discovered personal development and we discovered reading, we discovered all these other things that put us where we are today and we wouldn't be where we are today without that moment. So what is your identity right now? I love that, that's a good question. Um, I'm a giver, uh, I love lifting other people up 
knowing that it's also going to continue to lift Lori and I up. See, there's where people go wrong. Like, oh, I'm just giving. Oh, I'm just doing this for you. Oh, I'm not doing this for the money or I'm not doing this. BS, man. Like lift other people up and enjoy being lifted up in the process. That's how it's supposed to be, right? And so, um, uh, you know, it, what's my identity right now? I just, I love rising with others. That's what I love. I love rising with others. And there's no enjoyment in rising by yourself. It's lonely. Like nothing has, Laurie and I have the same. Nothing has any value until shared. Think about it, even a dollar bill has no value until you share it for something in exchange. Or when something good happens to you in life, what do you want to do right away? You want to go tell someone. You want to share it with somebody. Nothing has any value until shared. And so being able to share and, and help everybody rise together, that's our identity right now. Yeah, most of us, uh, if we look back, we build an identity because of our past references, our experience of life, right? So once you have a different experience, something you have never done before, or you actually proven yourself, not just intellectually, but you actually do stuff you never done before, you're expanding that identity, right? Because identity yep. is not something that stays static. We always yep. grow. We always expand identity once we choose to expand it. If not, then we will always stay the same. And most people in the same identity. So do you believe uh, that what got you to extend your identity is because all of uh, the challenges of life, all those uh, external stuff that happened to you that force you, just like you say, to grow more? Well, absolutely. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a, a for sure statement. And here's what's the crazy thing about it, though. What got you where you are today will also keep you where you are today. So just like you said your identity is always changing, it's meant to be. Your identity is supposed to be a work in progress. Your identity is supposed to be something that you are always working on growing. When people are depressed, when people are down and out, when people are stuck, it's because they've stopped trying to grow and stopped trying to figure out what their next evolution of identity is. And that is when you become miserable, when everything's just stagnant. That's why they say that good is the enemy of great, because other people might look and say, well, good is good. But no, if you are stuck at the same level, even though it's good, and you know you've got greatness inside of you, man, that's a very miserable place to be. So you need to constantly be evolving your identity and what gets you there. So what kind of elements would you give to the people that are going to listen to this that can actually help them uh, extend your identity and uh, reshape themselves? Because I believe like the power of environment is something very, very yeah. valuable. But what uh, helped you in your journey in life that really got you to always move ahead? It's funny you mentioned environment because that's the biggest thing that you have to address right away. So uh, my wife, Lori, she's got this great saying. She says, uh, your environment is stronger than your willpower. So you might have, you know, the, the willpower that says, I'm going to eat right, I'm going to work out right, I'm going to do these right, you know, business moves, I'm going to have these right habits in life. But if your environment is working against that, it'll win. Unfortunately, your environment is going to win. And so think about what makes up your environment. It's the people in your life. It's the places where you are, where you're surrounded by. It's the... Um, you know, the, the things that you're reading, the stuff that you're listening to, the people you tune into on social media, that is all a part of your environment. So the number one piece of advice is examine your environment and ask yourself, where can I change it? Where can I challenge it? Where can I make it a little bit better than it was yesterday? So are there some higher level individuals that I can invite into my life? The answer is always yes. Is there some better habits 
that I can start doing tomorrow? The answer is always yes. Is there you know, something that I can do for somebody else that will make me feel a little bit better and have a better sense of contribution? The answer is always yes. So examine your environment and be ruthless about saying, how do I make my environment better tomorrow than it is today? Mm-hmm. And notice, I'm just doing baby steps. Like, how do I make it better tomorrow than it is today? Maybe tomorrow you say, I'm going to read 10 pages because you're not reading right now. I don't say you're going to read a whole damn book. You're just going to read 10 pages. And then maybe the next day you say, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to go join this networking group full of business or, or positive individuals that I know is out there that I've never joined before. So now you go to that once a week. And then, you know, the next day you say, you know what? I haven't worked out in ages. I'm just going to start going for a walk. I'm going to do one walk per day. I don't care how far I go. I'm just going to move my body. Like, look at those three little choices three days in a row. It's not about massive changes. It's about these tiny little choices day after day trying to get better than you were yesterday. And when you when you take it in that type of um, direction in small doses like that, it's not intimidating. It doesn't seem scary. And it's very doable for anybody. So nobody has an excuse when you go about it in that manner. And I also think uh, what I got from many episodes that I did is that what holds us to higher standards is that uh, when you do it, it's for somebody you actually really love and care. For example, your, your love, like your wife. So yeah. you will do whatever it takes to always make the best life you can for her. So it always makes you do that extra mile, right? Yeah, it's so true. You know what's funny? We'll run through a wall for other people that we won't run through for ourselves. It, intuitively, as human beings, we are programmed to want to play the hero. We just are. And so if you, know, if you need to go do something for yourself, eh, you may or may not do it. Especially if things are good, you probably won't do it because there's no real pain point pushing you to do it. But when you get to play the hero and make somebody else's life better, that's when you do the uncomfortable things that you're not willing to do for yourself. So find those human beings in your life. It doesn't have to be a spouse. It doesn't have to be your children. Find those human beings in your life that you get to go become a better person for because that's what's going to hold you accountable to running through that wall. Yeah. Great advice, man. So, so how long have you and your wife been together? We have been married 13 years as of this past week. Wow. And uh, we've been together for 16 years. So how would you... Uh see this relationship because many people are married but they're not actually married it's just being together so what would you suggest for maybe a couple people to because i see that you and your wife just when i'm talking about her you're all you're you're rising so how do you make it always that passion that attraction never getting loose because as a business owner when you're entrepreneur if you're not aligned with the same values if you don't have the same goals it's going to you know it's gonna lack and then eventually it's going to stop. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad you asked about this. So I've got two answers. The first one is Lori and I subscribe very much to the concept that love is a verb, meaning it's not a thing you have, it's something you do. And if it's something you do, that means you have to do it on a daily basis or it's going to go away. And the other piece of the answer is this. If you're both entrepreneurs, or even if you're not entrepreneurs, if you're just both working hard in careers, you need to make sure that you work as hard on your relationship as you do your business. And here's where everybody goes wrong. They first, when they meet, they're like all happy, they're working on their relationship, they get married, everything's great. And like, okay, good, that's great, now I'm gonna go work on my career. And they go and they work on their business or their career, they roll up their sleeves and they're, they're doing all the right things. Well, look what's happened. 
they're over here concentrating on their career more than they're over here concentrating on their marriage or their relationship. And if something is not growing, it's what? It's, it's regressing. Dying. That's just a fact of life. So if you are not working on your relationship as much as you are your business, that means it's going to start going backwards. There's no staying the same. I'm sorry. It's just not. So my advice is always do that, that check-in. Say, am I working as hard on my relationship as I am my business? So Lori and I have built in because we're both entrepreneurs and we work together in our businesses but also have our separate things. We've had to work in all these really cool little hacks to make sure that we keep you know, within this verb of keep doing love instead of having love, if that makes sense. So we have these non-negotiable dog walks at the end of every single business day. I wake up in the morning, I'm like, babe, what time are you done? She's like, six o'clock, what time are you done? Seven o'clock, great, walks at 7.15. It is non-negotiable. Rain, shine, angry, sad, mad, happy, doesn't matter. We hold ourselves accountable, we're going out the door, take the dog, we go for three or more miles. It takes an hour or more, and here's why. <clears throat> That is our chance to physically remove ourselves from wherever we were that day that put us in whatever state we're in. Physically remove ourselves from that physical place and to change our state by moving our bodies. It's this great big timeout where they're saying, go over there in an area where you were not all day and figure out who you want to be again. Mm -hmm. And so there's many times on this walk that you know, for the first half hour or the first 45 minutes, we won't even talk. We both had bad days, or we fought over budgets, or marketing, or I said something wrong, or whatever it would be. But we never come back to the house without finally talking about it, and you know, working through it, and feeling great by the time we get back. And you can't do that by sitting in your house and talking about it. You're just going to keep the same bad energy. You have to go somewhere, physically change your state, get yourself breathing, and change your location for that to happen quickly. And so if it's not a dog walk for you, Maybe it's a workout. Maybe it's a walk with your kids. Maybe it is a bike ride. Maybe it's a car ride. Like, you got to have some kind of tradition to come together again as a couple every single day. Mm -hmm. What do you believe uh, got uh, you to actually attract her? Because I think uh, you attract what you are, right? Not what you want, but what you are. But yep. uh, if you look back, what do you think got you to actually get this woman to love? Because many, many of us, including myself, I didn't find my my uh, soulmate yet and it's not gonna happen just by oh god please give it to me and i'm going outside and there she is <laughs> come yeah, on yeah. let's go uh, so uh, what do you think uh, is some of the keys i think it's maybe a little bit about maturity when you're not just uh, uh, try to seek sexual right mm -hmm. not just sex but you actually mature more in your brain but what do you think it got to you to actually attract her what a great question so i gotta really paint the picture for you to answer this we were young when we met. Um, I was 21, she was 24. We got married when I was 27, she was 24. And we were not the people that you see today. We were partying our faces off. I remember one night, about a year after we were married, we were laying in bed at four in the morning, we had just gotten home, we are like, I feel so bad for the people that ever stopped doing this, and now we go to bed at like 9.30, right? So like, I'm talking, we were dramatically different people, but, we had some core values in common, and this was where the first foundational bond really got strong. We loved fitness together. Like working out uh, was always a daily thing for us together, so we had that in common. Um, we thoroughly enjoyed um, experience together, right? So whether it was travel, whether it was uh, trying something new, we had that in common. And we had this commitment right away to always 
try each other's ideas on for size. We didn't have to keep it on, but it was a commitment that I won't judge you, I'll try it on for size. And there's been a million times that Lori's brought an idea to me and I'm like, oh, this is going to be ridiculous. But I was willing to try it on for size and half the time I ended up loving it. The other half the time, I'm like, nope, not for me. But it's that openness to try it on for size instead of judging that will allow you to evolve together as a couple instead of growing apart. And if you think about how different, like the different people that we become uh, from when we were in our 20s to when we were 30, 30 to our mid-30s, I'm now 40 years old. So we've become such different people. I kid you not, we should have different names for each stage in life. That's how different we've become. But our commitment to trying things on for size and growing together is what has allowed us to stay together and get better each time that we as, we've evolved as people. So if you're looking for that that dream spouse right now, like Instagram's popular right now, and all I see is my king, my queen, like you know, building an empire, finding a queen. Like you see that stuff, and it sounds great, except it's holding people to too high of a standard. So they're looking for this perfectly done person to be their perfect match. And it's not out there, man. It doesn't work that way. What happens is you meet somebody that shares some very core fundamental values with you. For us, it was working out. It was family. It was experience. And you also share the value of wanting to become better, better than you are today. And that's what we had in common. So we went from these party kids with big ambitions to the people today that have made all of those ambitions and then some come true. But we were not this perfect match, man. We just had good fundamental things in common and chose to grow together over the course of time. Yeah, I think it's very powerful because now it makes more sense to me because when you try to avoid, uh, for example, reality, like how the way you live right now, then you have expectation, ah, but I'm going to be this multimillionaire. And now when you're like, for example, go out to dates and you like start to talk with her, you have a frame of, you have expectation about how she needs to be. But you said it best, you're like, okay, don't have expectation, share the same kind of value you two have and grow together because you, just like her, start in somewhere. You're not that big yet, right? So grow with her and then the relationship will grow. So that's good. Yeah. And by the way, be wildly open to somebody that shares core values with you but has totally different interests than you. Like the person who you'd normally be like, eh, I'm not into their kind of music, I'm not into their styles, and eh, never mind. Dude, I was the opposite of what Lori typically looked for. She was very different than what I typically dated. We had, she liked music that I hated, or at least I thought I did. I liked activities that she hated, or at least she thought she did. But it was the introduction of these differences and trying them out together that actually taught us brand new interesting things that we would have missed out on otherwise. So I'm telling you, you, you can't make this perfect checklist of this is going to be my king, this is going to be my queen, and say, oh, sorry, you're missing this on the checklist. Next. And unfortunately, we didn't, we didn't have apps back then to date, right? That's how old I am. So now it's so easy to be like, oh, you're missing something on checklist. Swipe. Oh, you're missing something on checklist. Swipe. You're not giving anybody the chance to reveal what they might have to offer you that you're going to end up liking because you're looking for this damn dream checklist. So let's, let's get rid of this unrealistic expectation in relationships. Let's get rid of this unrealistic expectation in friendships. Let's get rid of this unrealistic expectation in what business is supposed to feel like. And let's be open to it, to brand new things that we never thought that we would like. Because when you do, that's when everything starts falling into place for you. 
Yeah, yeah, that's very powerful, man. And uh, how long you've been doing your podcast? Man, my podcast not that old. It's uh, probably 16 months old right now. That's still a lot, and already you managed to do more than 160 episodes, no? Uh, yeah, I think we're 100 and 150, 160 episodes, something like that right now. Yeah, it, it's going by quick, man. It goes quick. Yeah, when you're in flow and you just like want to always, because I think you learn along the way. When you started a podcast and you just like learn from each person and you grow yourself as well. So I think the, the bigger thing is finding something you either like, you don't have to actually love it, but grow and uh, attract as many people as possible to grow with you. Yeah, man, that's so true. I got a funny story about when I started my podcast, and, and this will empower everybody to just do it anyway. So I, when I started the podcast, I'm like, okay, how do you start a podcast? I know you need six or eight episodes already done and in the bucket so you can come out with, a, with all of them. So I did. I recorded my six to eight episodes, and I'm not very tech savvy. So you know, the guy that set up all of our tech, he's like, do this, do that. When you do this, you're muted. Don't worry. They can't hear you. Well, they couldn't hear me, but the recorder could still hear me. So for some reason, when I started my podcast, I had a cold. And every time while the other person was talking, I would mute it, thinking that, you know, it wouldn't pick it up. And I'd, I'd clear my throat. I'd be like, <clears throat> and I did it over and over and over again during that week when I was recording my first eight episodes. And when my podcast producer got the episodes, they're like, dude, what the hell were you doing? You're clearing your throat over and over again in every, I'm like, no. He's like, here, listen. I'm like, holy crap, I'm gonna <laughs> die. So I couldn't waste the guest time because they're awesome guests. I couldn't make them do it again. Um, so we edited out the throat clearing as best we could. So it sounded like the guest was talking and all of a sudden there'd be like a uh, inter, uh, internet interruption. So I'd be talking, and then I keep talking type of thing. And that's the best we could do. But I tell you that story so that you, you understand done is better than perfect. And you're always going to screw it up. Like don't wait until you think you got it. You're always going to screw it up. You fix it as best as you can and you come out with it anyways, no matter what it is that you are trying to start and come out with. Yeah, this is so true and I, I couldn't agree anymore. I started with my iPhone. I recorded it like that. I put my, the iPhone near the, the, the computer so I can record them, and it went so bad. <laughs> Man, I love that. But look where you are today. So you, yeah, when you share better. those stories, it's mm -hmm. so empowering to everybody else who's right about to do it, but they're afraid. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so much. Like At the end of the day, we're all here to make each person actually do the stuff they want to do but still they're they're not really sure they just need that little push so we're all here to eventually push each other to do stuff because we need more positivity in the world we are living in a world that is full of toxic negative and it's poison it's like a cancer and it's like just going around and the more you know with social media today it's easier because many people are with social media so we need to use as many platforms as we can in order to share that message, in order to get this energy. Like, uh, so in 100 years, it will be so much more positive and so little negative that it will just win. Yep, it, you're right. You know, what's funny about social media now? It, word can travel so fast that you got to be very careful about what word you are putting out there to travel. Like, everybody with a social media account now has the responsibility to try and make the world a better place because you can sure put a, a dent in the universe in the wrong way with your social media. Negativity, 
argument, judgment, hate, all of those things that might just be one little comment, they snowball. And so every single time you open your social media, you should be asking yourself, is what I'm putting out there helping or is what I'm putting out there hurting? Because we all have a responsibility to only put stuff out there that's helping. Yes. So the last question I have for you is, what would be the legacy you would like to leave? That's a question I always ask before I end the interview. And then every person starts to take their head like that. And they start to yeah. raise because it's like a deeper question. It's a powerful question, man, because I struggle with this concept of leaving a legacy. There's only a few people that actually leave a real legacy, right? Like, like Martin Luther King left a legacy. Um, you know, George Washington left a legacy, you know, Muhammad Ali left a legacy. Like there's only a few people that truly leave a real lasting legacy. The rest of us, we do some really cool stuff while we're here and then nobody really talks about us one or two generations removed. And so I'm not under this false grand idea that I'm going to leave some kind of world changing lasting legacy. If it happens, very cool, but I'm not under some kind of false pretense that that's what's going to happen. Here's what I want to leave. I want to leave everybody better than I found them because the ripple effect of that will have a positive change for the next generation and the generation after that and the generation after that. So, you know, people may never say, oh, Chris Harder did this and he's famous for this and here's his legacy. But if people feel better and if people are doing better and then that creates somebody else that they contact to feel better and do better. And then those people connect with someone and make them feel better and do better. If that is the silent butterfly effect that I can create while I'm here, that's good enough for me. That's awesome, man. So where can people find you as well? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm, Instagram's the only platform I'm on these days. Chris W. Harder. I love when people message me. I, I've made a commitment to get back to every single message. That's how you and I connected, actually. Um, and uh, it's... I think it's the greatest platform out there right now. It's a really cool way to connect with people in your life. And I'm just so fascinated by meeting, you know, new people doing different things right now. It's what motivates me and what gives me feel. So Chris W. Hart, also check out my podcast at fortheloveofmoney.com. Um, all my episodes are there. My mastermind is there. Like anything you want to know about me, it's at fortheloveofmoney.com. That's awesome. And thank you for sharing with us and taking the, taking the time being on the show, I think we had a, a great uh, interview and interaction between us. So I'm looking forward to hearing more of you soon, man. So thanks again. Hey, you're a great host. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this interview or any other one from the Mind Body Podcast, feel free to subscribe to my podcast at iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and at my YouTube channel. Also, feel free to share this podcast on Instagram by tagging the Mind Body Podcast. Do you want to be a part of the Mind Body Podcast? So remember the FAST Factor. The FAST Factor stands for 1. Facebook. Become a part of the Mind Body Podcast community by joining our Facebook community just by searching on Facebook the Mind Body Podcast community. Number two, act. Don't just be a passive listener. Act upon what you've just learned by applying one simple thing from any episode or interview. Three, subscribe. 
Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or if you're visual like me, then just search the Mind Body Podcast on YouTube. And number four, train others. Because just like I always says, leaders create leaders and you're all here to grow together. And by training others, you're training yourself. So this is the fast factor. Remember it. Facebook, act, subscribe and train others. Oh, and please feel free to leave a review which will engage all your VAC senses. And the VAC senses stands for visual, auditory and kinesthetic which when you use all the three combined you remember stuff much better for more information about my coaching public speaking and taking your mind and body to all new levels check my site at lidodayan.com till then never ever forget to smile see you soon